Hey, ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, episode 71. As always, I'm joined by Jordan. Show me that smile again. Uh, Don't waste another minute on your crying. Uh, yeah, week two without Dom. He should be <laughs> back next week, hopefully. Still on vacation. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't keep to my promise. I didn't play Tacoma. I'm off the podcast forever. Uh, yeah, I just I didn't have any time. Um, now I'm thinking about what I actually play this week, and I don't even know if I had a chance to... I think the only game I was able to load... I had time to load up was Siege, because I had to do an update for it, Rainbow Six Siege, because they released three new operators for the game, which is pretty cool. Um, nice. And I'm trying to think of what else... Oh, I, f I forgot to talk about this last week, so this is a week old, but I actually completed a 100%ed Slime Rancher. I don't know if you've heard of this game. Oh, yeah, uh, you told me about that. Yeah, I think I talked about it on the podcast. I actually ended up getting all the achievements in it, uh, which is pretty cool. I don't... Nice. I, I, I'm, a, I'm an achievement addict, but I'm not somebody who will... I'm not the type <laughs> of person that will go and buy, like, a $2 game just to get all the achievements in it. You know what I mean? I get sure. really particular about achievements for games that I'm already enjoying. Um, but yeah, I yeah. ended up completing the game. wasn't too difficult. Uh, the last thing I had to do, so after you beat the game, quote-unquote, it doesn't really end, um, you unlock this uh, five-day rush thing. So it's basically like Minecraft in the sense of like there's a clock where it goes through a whole day-night cycle. And um, the last three achievements for accumulating a certain amount of currency in a five-day span. And there's a, like most of these achievements, there's like a specific route you have to take to get everything going to meet that requirement. Um, turns out they were a little bit like lenient on the achievement guide because they're like, you'll barely, barely scrape by with 50,000 uh, pl plorts is what they're called, the, the currency in the game. I ended plorts? up finishing plorts. P-L-O-R-T-S? Yeah, plorts. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I ended up, so on the end of fi the fifth day, you have to have 50,000 at the very minimum to get all three achievements, right? There's one for 10,000, one for 25,000, one for 50,000. And I wanted to get all of them in one run. I ended up finishing yeah. the five-day rush with, I think, 85,000. So I cleared it easily, uh, way easier than I thought because they were making it sound like Nailed you're barely going to get 50K. Uh, yeah, so that was pretty much it. Um, I didn't get a chance to play anything, really. Um, I'm trying to think if I watched anything, and I don't think I was able to watch anything either. Uh... Yeah, so pretty boring week Busy for me. Busy as a bee, huh? Yeah, I didn't have the chance to do anything really. Uh, I did write down some comics. I think I'm gonna jump into some series. Uh, I'm trying to think of uh, Southern Bastards, which I heard a lot about, which is yeah. a football comic, and I love football. So I think, especially with the NFL season coming back, um, American stuff. Didn't know it was about football though. Yeah. Uh, American Alien is one that uh, I've been waiting for the trade to come out to get. Um, nice. And same thing with Green Valley. I read the first three issues of Green Valley. Hell They're both yes. from Max Landis. I'm, I'm waiting for the trade to finish it. Um, I, I love Green Valley, though. Um, yeah, we're both we're both Max, Max Landis fans, and uh, Green Valley is fucking dope. Yeah. Um, I was also waiting for him to finish that series. Uh, I've got it loaded up. I just haven't gotten to it. And then... I've been following along with uh, the Kind of Funny Morning Show, their uh, weekly comic readings. Oh, yeah, the required so, reading. Yeah, I've been uh, you know, going along with them, and that was one that they did recently, so I'm going to you know, read that and watch their little deal on it. So um, 
I've heard so much good stuff about that. You know, like one of the best uh, Superman comics in recent years. Yeah, and I think the thing too is like, obviously Greg Miller is a huge Superman fan, but I like that he's a Superman fan that understands the issues people have with Superman and he gets really agitated at those stories because there was a lot of stuff that set up the lore of Superman to which he was this this omnipotent being that like isn't really interesting, right? But when right. he recommends Superman stories, he tends to recommend the ones that are more human, um, the ones that make you know Clark Kent uh, more more of a, an Earthling and less of an alien, which I enjoy a lot. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm stoked to get into American Alien as well. I like I said, didn't play anything, didn't watch anything. I know you uh, at the very least tend to to consume a little bit of stuff. So I want to hear what you've been up to. At the very least, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, you have your hand I've in many pots. I do, I do indeed. I like to taste a little bit of everything, um, as they say. Uh, I've been watching tons of stuff, uh, all kinds of animated stuff. I've, um, for the past like year, maybe a couple years now, I've been going through the Naruto series, and it's obviously very long, damn near a thousand episodes between the two animes. And uh, watching the, you know, uh, OVAs and the movies as I go. And I am now uh, currently on season five of uh, Shippuden. And um, I wanted to watch that. I wanted to watch some of these other really long running uh, uh, shonen anime series. And, uh, you know, of course, I wanted to get back to both uh, Pokemon and Dragon Ball at some point. Uh, because those are the two that got me started on anime and just really, uh, like I was talking about with Batman, the animated series, uh, helped me fall in love with animation. So um, I kind of got to the point where I was like, it's still going to be forever before I finish Naruto. So I just said, instead of trying to like finish one giant series and then move on to another, I'm just going to probably watch them all at the same time. So uh, I'll probably be jumping into One Piece soon. Uh, but right now I'm jumping back into Dragon Ball and the Dragon Ball saga, as you could say, um, especially now that they've started dubbing uh, Dragon Ball Super. Very excited about that. So, um, gosh, I fucking love Dragon Ball, man. I'm so into that shit. Like Me too. Uh, the original series is so funny. I'm watching, I should mention, you know, talking about anime, I watch uh pretty much exclusively english dubs uh just because that's the way i like to enjoy my anime um that's i like to uh, you know a lot of times i'm watching it at work while i'm working and so i can have it on in the background and not have to stare at the screen to read the subtitles yeah um and also i just like um you know miyazaki said it himself uh he loves people being able to watch dubs because he wants them to see the full screen of animation that he's presenting to you because obviously the Ghibli films, Ghibli films, I should say, are absolutely gorgeous. And so I totally agree with that. And just a real quick uh, side thing, I get tired of hearing, you know, like anime elitists talking only about ever watching uh, with subs in the original Japanese language because they're very dismissive of the entire uh, dub uh atmosphere and it really sucks because I think there's just so much talent in a lot of the voice actors that do work for English dubs um, 
and not to mention the people that translate it even though I understand that there are problems with translation sometimes and sometimes they have to just change things to make it make sense to North American or European audiences um, but I do uh, kind of get irked at the fact that so many people are so dismissive of it and so kind of disrespectful of it because they are artists in their own right and they are doing hard work good work so um, with that being said uh, watching the Dragon Ball of du Dragon Ball dub, it's so uh, there's a lot of goofy shit. There's a lot of you know weird shit in there, but um, it's fun. It's hilarious. It's um, you know got cool characters and great action. Um, so I'm really enjoying that. And uh, yeah, that and uh, I also watched the X Men anime series that aired a few years ago. They did. Uh, four different Marvel series, uh, Iron Man, Wolverine, X-Men, and Blade, and I've seen most of Iron Man and Wolverine, I need to go back and finish those, but uh, I had never seen the X-Men series, and I really enjoyed it, I think uh, X-Men are really fucking dope, and um, it's, I was also kind of thinking how much it, it sucks that like, um, a lot of these big American media franchises don't take advantage more of having you know, doing like a, a Japanese anime adaptation of some of their works. Um, Assassin's Creed, they recently started doing a, uh, a manga uh, of Assassin's Creed in that same style of, of manga where they look more like anime characters. Um, and it's really fucking cool that Ubisoft was uh, willing to reach out to, you know, some Japanese creators and have them work on that. And I wish that happened more often. So this this anime that uh, Marvel did with, uh, I guess it was Madhouse that did it. Um, you know, some of the most talented guys in the industry over there. It's really cool that that uh, actually took place, even though they weren't all super well received critically. But uh, they're still good. There's nothing about them that is just straight up terrible. So um, definitely worth watching. And then uh, more anime. I went through uh, the first season of One Punch Man. Oh, cool. Um, you've heard of this, Jared, I'm sure. I've watched the first two episodes, I want to say. Yeah. It's uh, really crazy, really goofy, um, very interesting style of humor. But it's also a really good just superhero show, action show in general. Uh, really well done um, animation um, and fight sequences. Um, so I, I enjoyed it very much. Um, I think that I was kind of hesitant when I heard about the premise and, and saw the look of the series and the look of the main character. It just looked way too goofy. And um, Usually I'm not into comedy anime. That's not the type of stuff that I'm into. So um, I didn't know if it was going to be for me. But uh, yeah, I was super glad that I ended up watching it. It's only 12 episodes and enjoyed it very much. So... Um, and then finally to finish up, I, uh, have been playing quite a bit of Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Hell yeah. This game, Jared, is a fucking blast. <laughs> this game is fucking awesome. When you get your Switch, I highly recommend this. Um, I think this is a great game that kind of fills out the Switch's library. Great game to kind of wait for Mario on. 
Um, of course, you know, I was one of the people that saw that original key art when it came out, heard about the leak, and was, you know, kind of down on it, kind of making fun of it. And, uh, man, I, I was so fucking wrong. It's crazy what they've done here with uh, the two franchises. I'm still not a big fan of the Rabbids, and they're definitely kind of annoying. Um, but, uh, and ugly is fucking shit, man. I mean, they're just some ugly motherfuckers, but... Uh, <laughs> But it's still a fun game, and they do a good job of, of realizing how crazy this situation is, this Mario crossover situation is, and um, have some good fun with it. So I really enjoy that. But yeah, the gameplay, man, it is a solid, solid strategy game. And of course, it's not quite nearly as intense as something like, say, uh, you know, XCOM, XCOM or something yeah. like that, but which is obviously what it's getting compared to because it looks a lot, the, the style of gameplay looks a lot like it. But it is certainly a deep game. I mean, it's got plenty of customization and weapon upgrades and, uh, you know, swapping out characters in your party and all different kinds of stuff. So uh, very fun gameplay. The environments and the, the battles that you're going into are really enjoyable. Definitely not a cakewalk by any stretch of the imagination. It's, it's uh, I've had some tough battles and I've lost some here and there. So, um certainly a fun game certainly something that i would recommend for really anyone with a switch because you know i don't play a bunch of strategy games but i'm still really into this uh because i think they just nailed it so hard and so um really only nice things to say about mario plus rabbits for me i'm enjoying it quite a bit and have put quite a few hours into it this week so yeah i think even the devs of XCOM and stuff should be excited because this is I think this is the most accessible game in that genre. And the more people you get playing it, the more people you get wanting to experience that same type of gameplay because they never knew they would like oh, yeah. it, right? So being so accessible exactly. is huge. And, yeah, ever since uh, E3 when we saw the gameplay and actually it looked like a lot more solid of a game than anybody anticipated, this has been right. on my... This is probably going to be the first game I play on my Switch, more than likely, uh, when I yeah. get it. Uh, yeah, I've, I've wanted to play this game so bad. So, super stoked to hear you like it, too. Um, yeah, they put um, XCOM, the original XCOM reboot, on Vita not too long ago. And had it on sale for like five bucks the other day. And I was like, oh, well. well, hell yeah. And, and that's just what you're saying, where uh, Mario plus Rabbids is kind of a great gateway drug into something like that. So, yeah, 100%. I'll be checking that out. Um, so the next story, I was actually anticipating hearing about this news tomorrow because I believe tomorrow is when they were going to make the official announcement. But like most things, IGN's got their hands on it early, and there was a write-up <laughs> about uh, Magic the Gathering's new virtual free-to-play uh, card game. And uh, if you guys aren't familiar, I, I'm not going to explain Magic the Gathering. It's one of the most like iconic, I think, card games. People know about it at the very least. Um, but for yeah. the last couple of years, they had Magic the Gathering Duels, which was their free-to-play game mode that centered around more so on like the lore, and it was a lot more serious in tone. They recently announced uh, Magic the Gathering Arena, which this preview was written about, and this is essentially MTG influenced by Hearthstone. Uh, you know, it has basically this, this tabletop-esque kind of design where it seems like a lot of the environment around the playing cards is interactable. Uh, it's a lot more vibrant. It seems a lot more... Um, happy and energetic in tone yeah and uh from what i read it doesn't seem like it takes away anything that people love about mtg which is huge but it does seem like it picks up the pace and i think that's the biggest issue that mtg has 
um, translating to the digital space over a lot of these other games that were kind of made specifically for the digital space is that, you know, MTG is a game that's existed since, I believe, the very early 90s. Um, and yeah. translating that gameplay to a digital realm, it's a little bit slow and methodical, which if you love MTG, it's great. But for new players, if your game is a little bit too slow, especially with all of the mechanics you have to learn with Magic the Gathering, it's going to pull people mm. out. So I think them streamlining it, making it a little bit more quick, a little bit more enjoyable is going to benefit them a lot. Um, I'm excited for it. Like I said, I think just the overall... We don't we didn't get a gameplay video or anything that's probably going to come tomorrow, but we do have some screens, and even just the, the play area for the game looks very inviting. Um, right. Yeah, I, I don't know if you've played any of the digital Magic the Gathering games or uh, what games you've played, but um, what do you think about this, about you know Magic the Gathering kind of humbling themselves and taking a page out of Hearthstone and all these other card games and be like, yeah, we need a change to make it a little bit more enjoyable. I have never gotten into Magic the Gathering, not to say that it isn't cool, but I just um, never got into it. So, yeah. Um, I've never really played a digital card game all that much. I've played, um, I enjoyed actually, I got a copy of uh, uh, the Pokemon trading card game for Easter one year, which uh, usually didn't get big. Uh, Easter presents like that, bigger Easter presents like that, and so I was really pleasantly surprised and, and started playing it and kind of couldn't put it down for a while. Um, so I enjoyed that back in the day, and then I would play... Uh, I played a couple different Yu-Gi-Oh! games on the Game Boy Advance. Um, but ever since then, you know, I haven't really touched anything like that, so um, that's my experience. But, uh, you know, I think, like you said, Magic the Gathering is... Uh, an extremely iconic uh, franchise and uh, just uh, it's extremely iconic in general I guess is what I'm trying to say but uh, I'm glad to see that they are kind of getting in on this uh, this this fad I guess you could say with with uh, these card these digital card games um, and I think why not you know it's like yeah if you want to be um, you know, IRL, I guess you could say, with your buds, having these, uh, you know, duels, maybe you go to your local comic shop or whatever, that's great, but especially for people who don't live in a place where they have a bunch of guys that are playing Magic, this is perfect for them, and I think that it's good to just, I think it's just good for franchises like that, um, and, you know, even like board games, strategy board games, I'm like, why not at least have a digital version where you can hop on and, and enjoy it that way, you know? Yeah. Um, I think, too, the big thing is that... Uh, I don't know for a while MTG was trying to be the serious digital card game out of, out of all of them. Because, like I said, MTG Duels was very, like, lore-heavy and a lot more serious of a tone. And, um, you know, even with the lore of MTG, it is a lot of times more serious in tone. And I think the thing you would like about MTG... not not necessarily the card game at all, but with the lore, Jordan, is that there's different yeah. there's different realms, right? Um, so the people who play the card game and the person distributing the cards is called a planeswalker, and that goes into the lore of these people that can transcend planes and go to these different... It's basically like uh, multidimensional, right? And the cool you're thing me is... me already, Jared. The cool you're, thing you're is... you me already. Uh, yeah, and the cool thing is, and there was actually, I think, a, a Hollywood movie in development, and that's been having a lot of issues... But, like, one of the realms is a very, 
uh, you can describe this a lot better than I can, like a very Bloodborne-esque, like, gothic horror type of setting um, yeah, with vampires like and werewolves and stuff like that. Um, and there's characters that you learn about and stuff. The newest set that's actually coming out in a month or so is called Ixalan, and it's essentially a realm where there's pirates and there's dinosaurs. And there's pirates who have big old ships, and they have all this stuff, but they also, like, ride dinosaurs. And, like, badass-looking well, dinosaurs. dinosaurs? You're killing me, dude. Yeah. I'm gonna have to pick this shit up, dude. Like, even just... The Planeswalkers is, like, totally up my alley. Like, you know, so, like, somebody who can hop between dimensions and planes of existence. That's fucking dope. And, you know, that I'm a total lore whore, so, yeah. I'm, exactly. And I think they actually right have books alley. talking about the lore, and I don't know if the books are good. That's something you're gonna have to look into. I'm not too sure of yeah. the quality of the books, but like, even just looking at the artwork, uh, it's crazy. Cause like just seeing like these pirate characters, and like there's one that is riding like a T-Rex. Um, but it's not just like you know all of the uh, all of the dinosaurs like subservient. There's there's other other dinosaurs, and the really cool thing I like, uh, and which is I, it looks like it's not gonna be in this specific game, is there's a game mode. Uh, a card game mode in Magic the Gathering called Commander. I'm going to try to sum this up as best as I can. A normal game of Magic, you have 60 cards, I have 60 cards, we play each other, right? Usually you pick right. a color scheme or uh, some kind of thing you're going with, whatever. Um, I'm just trying to say it as simple, there's a lot more detail I'm going to. Commander is essentially a 100 card deck where you have one card that's your commander. Say I have a Sphinx card that's blue and white, and he his whole thing is predicated around me drawing cards. That means in my entire 100-card deck, so the other 99 cards, they have to either be blue or white or colorless, and I, I can only use the colors of the commander, and you usually build it around your commander. So I have a lot of stuff that helps me draw cards and stuff like that. So that's a really cool game mode because, unlike a lot of the more... Uh, standard formats where it's a lot more serious and people are definitely edging out to win or lose. This is a four-player one versus one versus one versus one game mode where we all go sit down at a table, we all bring our commander deck, we all have our own commander, and we play each other. And people build commander decks around weird mechanics and stuff like that. Um, like I have my own personal commander deck that I, I built is a graveyard reanimation. So my commander and all my cards in it are about getting all of my cards into the graveyard and all of your cards into the graveyard so I could just reanimate everything. Um, so there's a lot of really cool interactions you can do. So if you if you did that, if you reanimated everything, you take over someone else's cards? Yeah, I have cards that are like uh, summon a creature from your opponent's graveyard. It's a black zombie in addition to its other abilities. So And I have other cards that are like target oh. zombie gets plus this, plus this. So I have like this, this graveyard manipulation where... I'm trying to get all of everybody's cards into the graveyard, including mine. I also have a card in that deck that's basically like, if you have zero cards in your deck, you win the game. And that's the cool thing with Commander is that because you have all these things that kind of work hand-in-hand hand with each other, you try to look for multiple win conditions. So, like, one of my win conditions is to reanimate everything and just overpower everyone, right? One of my other win conditions is to mill everybody out. And what that means is that if you go to draw a card and you have no cards to draw you you lose right so basically right in the process of me trying to get all of your creatures and stuff into the graveyard i'm also just trying to get your whole deck into the graveyard so i can win by overpowering people i can win by milling people i can win by myself not having any cards in my deck so like it's a really cool game mode that hasn't really been put into the digital realm and i think it's really cool because it's a very unique 
uh, game mode where there's a lot of personality, where you see a lot of more like personal flair from people. Like for instance, you can create a, a, a pirate vampire deck where it's all about uh, you know pirates and vampires and finding the mechanics there, and that's why I love Commander because very rarely do you ever see two people with the same commander deck unless it's like high level then people have like infinite combos and stuff they they build and that's not really fun but i'm talking about like sitting down with a group of friends and playing commander is the most fun because you have a hundred card deck that has all these weird interactions and it's just it's fun um so do you play magic uh afk <laughs> away from keyboard uh, I used IRL. to. I used to. We had a we had a card shop here about a couple of years ago that I really enjoyed. We used to go and play. Um, unfortunately, it closed down because comic shops oh. and stuff like that are very hard to stay in business. Um, yeah. Also, no offense to the owner, but I don't think he was necessarily the best businessman for that venture. I'll just put it that way. Um, put it yeah, as easily as I can. Um, so yeah, I haven't really played it in person anymore. But I do carry. Carry is a weird. I don't take him out with me, but like. As far as, like, at my house, I have, like, uh, a couple of, like, thematic decks and, like, other decks that I've kept as well as my commander deck because it's, like, a cool thing to play when, like, people come over or whenever we decide we want to play or stuff like that. But, yeah, I haven't really been super into Magic, and that's the thing, too. I don't want to go on a whole diatribe about Magic forever, but Magic is what you want it to be. So there's Standard, which is, like, the most popular, which is, like, the latest and newest cards and the most competitive, and that's Friday Night Magic, and you go and you try to win prizes and be the best, and it's, like, a formatted tournament. And I used to do that sometimes. That was really cool, but that's the biggest money investment, right, of, like, sinking money to keep have the newest cards so that way they're standard eligible, yada, yada, yada. It's a big money trap, which that's what you want to spend your money on, whatever. But once I found out about Commander, uh, that's my big jam. Like, I love Commander. Like, I, I have, uh, like... Jam. I have, like, paper lists of commander decks I eventually want to make in the future. Um, and mm. sometimes I'll randomly pick up a card here or there for, like, 2 bucks or 3 bucks. Um, there's a lot of cards that are, like, $0.99, cents, but, like, the better cards usually cost more, right? Um, so I just pick up cards yeah. here and there for commander decks. And it's, it's just it's a really fun game, like I said, because it's all about personality. And that's one thing that I, I hope eventually comes to the digital realm of being able to build these these hundred card decks uh, that you can make your own, and like I said, uh, Jordan, even if you never even play Magic: The Gathering, the card game, the lore and stuff is super cool to look into because Fuck yeah. there's a there's a lot of like the last set basically revolved around Egypt, and there's like long story short again, there's this dragon called Nicol Bolas uh, or Bolas, depending on who you ask for the pronunciation. He's basically a planeswalker, but he's a dragon but he's also like sentient and intelligent um so he's basically like the thanos of mtg essentially is the best way to describe him you know what i mean like this overseer badass and he basically got resurrected and he tried killing the the main five planeswalkers and that's the other thing is like magic the gathering centers around these main five um five or four heroes there's like jace who's like the 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 triumphant wizard guy there's chandra who's uh basically controls fire uh i'm trying to remember all of them there's garrick's really cool he's like this massive like giant guy that lives in the forest and he's like a beast master the lore is really cool is all i'm saying like mtg is a great card game but the lore they have like whole teams that are dedicated to the lore and stuff like that super cool Like, some of the best parts about the cards is they'll have little passages underneath them that give context, and those are always super right. cool, too. Yeah. So it almost sounds like there's an ongoing storyline there. Yeah, there is. And I personally haven't gotten into it, but 
if you just look up online, there's people who love that stuff, and it's like an ongoing. I know bits and pieces, obviously, but like, yeah, sure. there's a huge ongoing storyline of these like specific planeswalkers because like they do go to different planes, but there's some recurring characters who kind of. It's like a what's that horror show that Dom watches where it's kind of like there's new stories, American but it's horror story. Yeah, but there's all these like same actors in it kind of the same right. business and like i said some of the planes they go to like the got got the core stuff is really cool this new pirate dinosaur thing there's this weird realm they go to and forgive me for those listening who know mtg to its core there's this weird realm they go to where it's essentially like nanobots and like like sentient robots and like super kind of like cyberpunky stuff um it's cool man they've gone through a bunch of different eras of things um and it's just cool to see the ideas they come up with. So, yeah, in your spare time, definitely check it out because the lore in MTG is crazy. Super interesting. Sounds like it. Like, that's yeah. why I'm, like, so interested in, like, I would love, um, like, a Netflix series or something like that or even a movie, something, mm. because there's enough lore there that I think they could make it work. Like, honestly, and this may be me just, like, having a dream, like, there's enough lore in that world that they can make, um, like, a multi-part... I'm trying to think of the word, Jordan. Help me out here. What what do you call it when it's a TV series where there's multiple parts, but each part isn't necessarily connected? There's like a through line, but they're not necessarily super connected to each other. Like an anthology? Exactly, yeah. I think a, yeah. an anthology for MTG would be cool where it's like the first one is one plane, then the second one is one plane. So there's like this through line, but they're all these different planes you get to explore. would be super cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we went. I went on for a bit about MTG. It's just that that stuff's crazy, and I know you love lore. And for somebody who's yeah. never really touched MTG, the lore side of it's super interesting. Um, even just to glance at, it may not be your thing, and you may not get super involved in it. But even just looking at, it, and then like the artists they get to do the card art, and just like it's it's magnificent, man. Like there's a reason yeah, MTG has lasted as long as it has. For sure, you know how much I love art books, and there's uh, a. Song of Ice and Fire uh, card game, and they have two books that are just the art from the cards. Yeah, and I'm like, and they're they're rare, and so they're kind of expensive. But I'm like, gosh, I, I really kind of want those, man, because the art is so fucking cool, and I am into that universe. So yeah, I can totally understand. I'm sure uh, Magic has you know really dope art on their cards. Yeah, and like uh, the Gothic horror. So sometimes they'll revisit planes too, which is really cool, Jordan. So like. Um, the the gothic horror plane and forgive me if I'm forgetting its name they went to it like in 2010 and recently they went back to it in like 2015 and it was slightly different like there was like some characters were slightly like like some stuff happened between that time period um, they go into yeah. it in the lore and stuff like that but like one of the things of that gothic horror period is one of the main mechanics is transform cards obviously with like werewolves and stuff so you'd have these cards that if they met a certain condition a lot of them were different you get to flip over the card, and usually the opposite side of the card was a more powerful creature, right? Um, mm. One of the coolest ones in the newest set was this house. It was just like this weird, like old cottage, like pilgrim-looking, like weird house. And when you yeah. when it transformed, it was basically a giant house that had a lot of like corpses and stuff sticking out of it, and it was moving on its own. So it was like. A, a giant like corpse house that like it's super cool. Uh, I'll try to yeah. I'll try to show you the card after we're done recording. But like yeah, MTG's cool. I, I really if you're not even into playing card games, anybody out there, just check out the lore. If you're into like fantasy or any of that stuff, just give it yeah. a chance. Check it out. Um, 
I guess the next news story we'll talk about real quick. Um, Biomutant <laughs> Bio will let you tone down its narrator. Um, so we talked about Biomutant a couple of weeks ago. Basically, the story goes into the, the project lead uh, over at Experiment 101 states that you know, you can turn down the narrator um, in the settings if you don't like them narrating over combat. But as the game progresses, um, he's actually going to be talking less and less. And one of the crazier things that he states that the narrator isn't only a voice, he appears further down the line as a character in the game and provides context for the world as the player explores it. So what I'm assuming, and we can get into this real quick, Jordan, my, my mind thinks of, did you ever play Dead Island? No, I did not. Okay, and I might, my, my, my memory might be off on this, but in a lot of games like that where it's open world and you get thrust into it, especially with like zombie games, you're in the open world, you start figuring out what the issue is, then you randomly get like a radio or something and you start talking to somebody that you don't see until halfway through the game, right? They're like, you need to make sure you worry about this or this, and you're like, well, who is this person on their phone? Should I trust them? Like, who is this person? Um, and then you eventually meet them. And I think that's my, that might be what this is, where this narrator's talking to you and helping you, but then you eventually come to understand that he's somebody that's been there for a while. Or maybe he's some, like, god-type character, some omnipotent being that, like, watches over the island or something. But Maybe uh, a little uh, stranger-than-fiction type deal. Yeah, like, what do you think about, like, meeting the narrator halfway through and um, them saying, like, you know, we understand people don't like narration going on forever as the game goes on. Like, what do you think about this whole... Them talking, like, openly about the narrator of the game. That's kind of a weird pinpoint, right? So, have you seen Stranger Than Fiction? Uh, no. It's a Will Ferrell movie where his life starts being narrated. Oh! And you can hear the narrator. Yeah, I didn't and know that movie was called that. That's the one, yeah. I know what movie you're yeah. talking about now. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and it eventually ends up that this author is writing his story and it eventually ends up meeting her later on. She's a character in the, in the movie. Um, so that's what this is reminding me of. And I think it's cool, you know, I think... Um, when I did hop into that gameplay demo and watch that for a minute on YouTube the other day, I was kind of like, eh, I don't know about this narration because it's it does kind of seem maybe a little bit uh, intrusive, kind yeah. of uh, you know pushing its way into your experience a little bit too much. But I I was kind of thinking, you know, oh, it's probably just for the tutorial area. Um, now it sounds like no, it's more. Uh, of a through line throughout the game so yeah it could get annoying but I think at least the options there that's one thing if you're going to have I, I really appreciate um, when game developers are like look we're going to try to go a little bit far out with this uh, mechanic or or this um, you know piece of the game that we're trying out we're trying to push it a little bit further than uh, maybe anybody has before maybe we have before um, but at least we're going to give you the option to turn it off. I really like that. Um, and maybe it's something small, like when uh, you started seeing a lot of games. I know Metal Gear Solid Five did this, where like when you're running, the camera will have a little bit of shake to it, like even if it's a third-person game, um, which makes it kind of feel a little bit more authentic alongside the running character with their head bobbing up and down. Yeah. Um, and... Most of the time, if they have that in the game, you can turn it off, which I actually like it on usually. Um, but I also can totally vibe with somebody who's like, yeah, it kind of gives me motion sickness or I just don't really like the way it looks or feels. Um, so stuff like that, I enjoy when developers recognize that, yeah, we may not want to just like force this on people. Um, but I do think if they're going to, you know, 
have this cool narration going where you're you know working your way towards this character I think that's a cool idea so uh, I'll probably end up keeping it on just for that uh, part specifically yeah I like that they're like hey he's actually going to provide context and he's kind of kind of going to be right. important to you for context but you can also right. turn it off if you want to like right. you know. um, and so transitioning from there we're going to be talking about Marvel's Avengers project this is you know the game that was uh, revealed a while back at the beginning of the year by Square Enix uh, yes. There was a couple of recent job postings for Crystal Dynamics, who's the main studio working on this, and they were looking for a couple of people. One person that had experience in third-person cover-based action-adventure gameplay, and another person who, uh, or a couple of other people who were um, familiar with social and shared online play. Now this is interesting because a lot of people are speculating that this assumes that this is going to be an Anthem Destiny type game, which is certainly well could. I mean that's you know we're going towards these these these. Uh, what, what are they calling him? I'm trying to think of the term that they're calling Destiny and Anthem. Uh, not always online. What's the term? What's the term I'm looking for, Jordan? Not social. Um, you know what I'm talking about. I don't I, I don't know. I, I can't remember the actual name of it. But basically... Yeah, me neither. Yeah, people are anticipating this to be, you know, a multiplayer-focused game with gear chasing um, in, a, in a persistent world. Um, and... This could, this could mean that, or it could just mean that, like, the, you know, the, the story mode or the, the multiplayer mode could be third-person heavy, and they're looking for people who are familiar with multiplayer mode, you know? I think people are too heavily jumping into, oh, this is a Destiny Anthem um, kind of game, and we, we really don't know. Like, job listings are could be vague. They could mean certain things that we're assuming they mean when they don't really mean that. Uh, right. Yeah, I... I think this is is cool that we're getting a little bit of information. The thing that has me worried is, uh, where's that Tomb Raider game that got leaked? You know, d d once they got this deal done with Marvel, does this mean that they just kind of like either put Tomb Raider on 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 the on the holding block and they focused on this, or, or do they have like a, a different team working on it now? Crystal Dynamics worked on most of the game and they have a different team finishing and polishing it up. Um, that's the one thing that's interesting here. Um, obviously, Marvel's Avengers game is probably going to make them more money than Tomb Raider, I would assume. Um, but it's a lot of people are anticipating this game next year, Jordan. Like they have job listings. That's not happening, right? Like, yeah, no. <laughs> come on now. This game is going to at the at the very earliest. Yeah, this isn't going to be a small game. Like Square Enix got this contract. Yeah. They're having their biggest, arguably most talented Western studio working on this in Crystal Dynamics, which I would say they're their most talented studio uh, on the in the West, because I think Crystal Dynamics, like, the Tomb Raider games, yeah, they didn't sell as well as they probably wanted, but those are great games, man. Like, I, I think they were well, great Who else games. do they have? They just got rid of uh, IO, who, um, you know, before Hitman wasn't really doing a whole lot as far as, um, you know, coming out with big releases, and then you've got IDOS, and then, who else other than that? A bunch of smaller studios. I guess it's just really between, like, Crystal Dynamics and IDOS as far as, like, Western, you know? Um, yeah, I would say that Crystal is a super talented studio and um, just kind of a little bit of a tangent here. But you know what I was thinking of the other day as I was kind of thinking, I was watching this uh, X-Men anime series. I was like, you know what would be dope as hell? Um if there was a in the style of basically Metal Gear Solid Five, a stealth game starring Nightcrawler. Yeah. 
<laughs> I was right there with you. I was like, I like, hope Jordan's fucking dope. If you're yeah. if you're like infiltrating areas as Nightcrawler and you're like zipping around places, and if you've discovered an area, then you can teleport there because that's how his power works. Like, oh my god, that would be awesome. I, that's the thing is like, yeah, I'm really glad that we're on this trajectory now, and we're getting Spider Man as well. Uh, but. Um, you know, I just wish that I, I'm glad that we got away from uh, the licensing game, and we talked about how, um, you know, it kind of like instead of moving straight from like shitty licensed games into good licensed games, they kind of had a period of just stopping them completely yeah. before they could turn that train around or turn that rig around because trains don't turn around. Um, but I do kind of wish that we were, you know, where we're at in video games right now and, and how good. Um, a lot of studios are getting at making uh, especially third person action games it's like man I just wish we were in an area where there was just plenty of comic book heroes getting their own games you know because um, as it stands now it'd be a long time before Nightcrawler got his own fucking you know big budget game so Matt I even think like uh, I think it would be cool if they did a Battlefield 1-esque thing with the X-Men where it was these these vignettes for each character. Oh, where, yes. Yeah, maybe it's not necessarily a full-fledged game, but you have these really well-thought-out, uh, really good level design and, like, these really cool mechanics for these people, and maybe each one takes about, a you know, two hours, two and a half hours each to complete, but they're specific to that, that X-Men character, you know? So you have the stealth, yeah. like, Nightcrawler game. You have the, uh, uh, <laughs> the pull-and-shoot Cyclops game. Yeah, level, I guess, where it's like uh, yeah. clay pigeons or something. Have... I don't... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you're saying Cyclops game where it's basically duck hunt? Yeah, that'd be <laughs> fucking cool. Yeah. Or you could have uh, an on the rail shooter with one of those Dude, characters. You know, I would love, uh, I would love like a Kitty Pride Nightcrawler team up too. That'd Jesus. be cool. Being able to Jesus, walk through walls man. and being able to like teleport. Oh, baby. What if you had a third-person action-adventure um, game starring Gambit, and then it also had like a really deep card game like Gwent Ooh, that'd be cool, embedded yeah. in the game, you know, where he's like, because that's his fucking deal with the cards and shit. That'd be super awesome. Dude, or like an Iceman-like snowboarding game, but it's like it's just him creating all the ice paths. Mm. That'd be cool, too. Mm. I, but like, see, in all seriousness, I think they could really make like a vignette kind of thing work with X-Men because... There yes. are there are individual X Men I love more than others, but I do think sure. the the reason people love the X Men is because it's a group of people coming together, these different personalities and stuff like that. And I think yeah. a single player X Men game really only works if it's Wolverine, and even then I don't think it's as strong as if you include everybody. I I just yeah. think if you're gonna make an X Men game, you need to include people, but you also need to give everyone their time to shine. You know, like absolutely. Um, I don't know. I ju I just think that like. We're entering an era which will hopefully be great for licensed games. We're hopefully getting all these Star Wars games we're promised. Battlefront's great and everything, but it's not scratching this for what I like out of Star Wars. Um, Same here. Yeah. And, like, so we're getting the Star Wars games soon. These Marvel games are in the works. Hopefully we hear what Rocksteady and WB Montreal have been working on because they've been silent. We've heard yeah. all these rumors of this Batman Beyond game or, the, no, that you're Batman, but you're actually Damien. Like, I would just want to know what they're making because they've obviously made really great Batman games. Is that the Superman well, game? There is like, 
I think, yeah, I think there was a lot of concept art leaked of the Superman game. I think that's the, uh, you know, highest probability at this point, which I'd be totally down with. And um, the thing that, that got confirmed was the leaked. canceled Suicide Squad game. That was actually in development, and it was canceled, which is when weird. When was that? Uh, like, a couple of months ago, they announced that it was canceled. Like, yeah, there was a Suicide Squad game in development, and it was just canceled. Huh. And that, that concept art that I saw was definitely not Suicide Squad. It was Superman and Superman villains and, yeah. and Metropolis and stuff. So it's interesting, but what did they say what the Suicide Squad would have been going? like? No, what we don't even know what studio it? was attached. So it's not saying that this was W Montreal and Rocksteady. All we found out that oh, was okay. WB was like, yeah, there was a Suicide Squad game in production. It's not anymore. <laughs> Essentially, oh, wow, that could be so cool too. You know, like yeah. it sucks that that's the news that I'm hearing. Like, oh, by the way, it was a game that was in development but was canceled. Because now I'm thinking, like, yeah, that could be really awesome with Deadshot and Harley and Killer Croc and all those guys. So yeah, I mean, Slipknot, everyone's favorite. Man, <laughs> man, I am just hoping, Jared, that this Spider-Man game just like oh, is the yeah. egg, and it just gets cracked, and then from there we just have the yoke of all these awesome licensed games. Like, I think it could be, you know, it's on it's on the uh, PS4 platform, which is obviously gigantic, and uh, Spider-Man is is always big. So, um, yeah, it's looking like that could be the one that uh, you know. The, uh, I guess you could say it's the Drogon that breaks the wall. Yeah, I was gonna say, I think As this could to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. What, what Iron Man did for Marvel in the movie realm, the Spider Man game could be what they do in the gaming realm, where it basically is their foot in the door and they're like, no, our game plan is this, and then we see all of the all the things that get that get laid down because of it, you know what I mean? So, I'm That's hoping, I'm man, hoping for. I'm hoping, I think we deserve yeah. some really great superhero video games and we have had some that weren't necessarily licensed uh you know yeah. you're infamous and stuff like that but you know to me those games are cool and all but nothing to me is as true of a superhero game without the superheroes i personally love the most which are the dc and marvel superheroes but i think with the success of these 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 top class superhero games there that means there could be another market for infamous and all these other games you know what i mean to fill in the gaps which is huge so i will say like that's the kind of the weakest part of the Infamous games is they're superhero games, but the the characters aren't even superheroes. They're just people with superpowers. Yeah, you know, none of them wear suits. They don't have code names. Um, so that part does kind of suck. That you know, it's like why wasn't Cole in a in a dope suit through Infamous Two? You know. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's crazy because you think like superheroes are just perfect for video games. Like they translate so well. And you can do so much with those mechanics, but yeah, we're just uh, we're not at that stage yet. So here's to the future, and here's to Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, let's talk about our last topic, uh, our our last news story, but our first topic, which is our last topic. Have you wondered that? Yes. Um, basically, we had some news this week that came out. You know, people were wondering for the longest time, why isn't there a Pokemon game in development? We barely heard about it. There was that weird thing where the CEO was sitting at the desk, and it was Jordan's number one pet peeve. He turns to the camera, he's like, oh, I didn't see you come in. We're working yeah, on a Pokemon so game for Switch. Stupid. Yeah, but we it's actually... Like, oh, I've just been sitting here for the last 45 minutes while the cameraman set up, and the guy got the <laughs> mic ready, and then this producer started talking to me about what to say, and then they gave me cue cards, and then, oh... I didn't see you come in there. Oh, uh, God damn So it. basically we have some news. Uh, the Pokemon Company CEO, uh, Ishihara, uh, basically came out and said, 
that they didn't believe in the Switch. He said, I told Nintendo that Switch wouldn't be a success before it went on sale because I thought that uh, in the age of the smartphone, no one would carry around a game console. It's obvious I was wrong. And he also comes to say, I came to realize the key to a successful game uh, is quite simple. Software with absolute quality leads sales of hardware. Playing style can be flexible if the software is attractive enough. So he's basically saying if you make great games, people will buy the hardware, which I think is true. Like, if there's badass games, people will flock to your hardware as long as it's not terrible. I think he's being a little bit too kind of... Obviously, if the Switch was the Wii U, I don't think it would have sold as well as it did, no matter if Zelda was on it. Um, You know, but that quote, Jared, I think is uh, representative of a bigger problem going on uh, just in media in general right now where it's like the people who are making the stuff, and I don't mean uh, necessarily the artists in the trenches themselves, but the people that are making the decisions uh, for the different media that's going to be released, they don't. They're a lot of times they're out of touch and they don't know what the hell they're talking about. And it's like, no one's going to carry around a game console on the edge of the smartphone. And it's like, how many gamers do you hear constantly talking on the internet about how shitty smartphone games are? Like, yeah. that's just not where it's at, and they're not even close still, even though they've come a long way. Smartphones have in, uh, you know, their processing power in the last few years. It's like they're just not even close, and so. Um, I've been, also been thinking about this, uh, you know, I was talking about um, how I'm getting back into the Dragon Ball series, and I've kind of been trying to collect all the different, you know, uh, series, the, there's two series and then Super, but I've been trying to collect everything and get it all together so that I can go through it, and I've come to find out that there's a big issue with Dragon Ball Z, especially where... Um, there's all these different releases that have come out over the years. Some on DVD, some on Blu-ray. They've started and stopped certain, uh, you know, Blu-ray releases or DVD releases. Some are hard to find. Um, one of them has the four by three aspect ratio. One of them has the sixteen by nine. One of them has this audio track. The other doesn't. Um, one of them's digitally remastered in this way. The other's digitally remastered in another way. It's like. And I was watching some YouTube videos of some guys that knew what they were talking about saying that, you know, Funimation just doesn't get it. They don't know what we want. They just aren't getting, they aren't getting the job done. They aren't, you know, on the ball as far as that stuff goes. And that's exactly what I'm hearing from this quote too, is that this guy just, he's, he doesn't really have his finger on the pulse the way he thinks he does. And, um, you know, maybe I'm being a little bit harsh on him, but I just, I, I kind of feel like I hear these types of stories all the time when it comes to media where it's like, you just you just couldn't figure out what we wanted as an audience and you just couldn't you know you thought you had it down pat you thought you really had your your finger on the pulse there but um so many times even though we have a lot more communication with these companies now than we ever have before with um social media for example you know people tweeting at them and um or with game developers and the forums and the way that they listen to their their audience and and take it under consideration for their patches and things like that they use them um almost as uh testers um there's just still a big disconnect between those that are making the decisions for the media and those that are um experiencing it and so that's um i guess what's upsetting to me about this situation um so with me i think I have a pessimistic side to this and an optimistic side. Uh, the pessimistic side is I, I agree with you. I think that there are people that are out of touch. Um, and I'm not against him for saying that he thought that and they thought that the, the Switch was going to be unsuccessful. 
a lot of people are like, oh, the Switch is great now. A lot of people were doubting whether or not it was going to succeed or not because of everything we heard, right? And I'm yep. not I'm not faulting it for not believing in it, but I do agree that there's some weird um, lack of what exactly people want and don't want because people were okay with thinking that the Switch was going to not succeed, but not necessarily because people didn't want to carry around a console, right? Um, yeah. The optimist in me is that this is the PR answer, and obviously I don't think this is necessarily the right thing, but maybe maybe it was that they just didn't, like, they looked at the, maybe they had a Pokemon game in production for the Wii U, maybe not a mainline one, but a Pokemon game, and they were like, man, this thing really failed, and we just wasted all that time building a game that's not even going to sell well, so maybe they were hesitant, and their PR way to answer it was like, well, we're not going to fault Nintendo itself for not wanting to make a game and not thinking it's to be successful. We're going to pin it to the consumer you know what i mean um right and that's the optimist to me obviously we don't know exactly what it is but the way he did say it and the only way we can interpret things is based on the words he used and off of that it does seem like there's a disconnect but uh, one of the cool quotes that we got in the second part is that um let me find it here uh i want to find the quote he said for the the uh here we go so he said with the switch we see it as a chance to create pokemon that goes deeper and with a higher level of expression as a result, that makes it an extremely important platform for us. Right now, we're using 7 to 8-inch screens. He's talking about the 3DS. Uh, but on high-definition TV, you can express a whole different world with graphics and sound. Some people were saying, like, why is he talking about the high-definition TV? It's also a portable console. I think it's the easiest way for him to translate that they have more power under the hood, right? Because um, he doesn't want to bash the 3DS either, so the way to compare them is... Well, you can play the Switch on the TV, so let's talk about high-definition TV. He basically <laughs> the means... way he's saying that kind of makes me feel like he he's like just entering into the 360 PS3 lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. Like, now with these 720p HD TV screens, we can do so much more. Yeah, and I think the, the, this is exciting because I think that this does mean that they're looking at making sure the Switch's extra power is used... Uh, advantageously and you talked about before we started the show that they actually turned off the 3d so that way they could get more out of the power of the 3ds which is really smart too um yeah this whole story in general uh whether you're looking at it positively or negatively it shows kind of the the, the power between the pokemon company and nintendo very few companies mm -hmm. that work with nintendo can be like yeah we don't think it's going to be successful so we're going to take we're going to take a minute and wait that shows how powerful the pokemon company is the Pokemon Company is one of the very few companies that work so closely with Nintendo that Pokemon Company doesn't need Nintendo. Nintendo needs Pokemon. And I don't think a lot of people yep. understand that. Like, the Pokemon Company can go and do their own thing and be completely fine. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Uh, Pokemon's one of the biggest IPs in the world. Period. Um, yeah. So it just shows the power they have. And, uh, yeah, the first comments are, are, are kind of, um, you know, kind of suck. But I'm very excited that they're looking at it. And they're figuring out, like, yeah, we have a bunch of power. We want to try some really cool stuff. For people who are like, yeah, this is the reason we don't have a Pokemon in the first year. No, you wouldn't have got one either way, even if they were into this, into it. Pokemon all, also always releases on um, an install base. Um, that doesn't mean maybe Ultra Sun and Moon couldn't have come out on it. Um, but, yeah, I think this is just an interesting story because we kind of got a peek behind the curtain of what really goes on between the Pokemon company and Nintendo, so... But what I don't think they necessarily understand is the fact that, um, you know, like, for example, and I think you're right about the, the Wii U game 
that uh, never materialized is for so long on console they've been putting out these like half-assed Pokemon yep. games. You got Pokemon Tournament. You got um, there was one on the GameCube. I, really like, I always forget the name of it. Uh, well, those were actually pretty good, and they were pretty close. The uh, Coliseum games is what you're talking about, or not the Coliseum? The uh, the uh, something. Oh crap! I can't remember the you, name of it. You pulled the memory from my mind. <laughs> <laughs> the because uh, I fucking love those games. Uh, See, and the, personally, uh, I didn't like those games really. I know what you're. Uh, I'm, I'm looking up the name. Around. I'm looking it up. Just. Uh, talk for a bit. Pokemon Coliseum. Col- Pokemon Coliseum on, on N64. I enjoyed those games. And they were... Uh, but they are still kind of like a half-assed Pokemon game. It wasn't like the full deal. Um, then on GameCube you had... Uh, no, still not there. Uh, Poke- there was Pokemon <laughs> Coliseum and then Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness. Yeah, so... So what am I thinking of on 64 then? 64 was Pokemon Stadium. Stadium, stadium. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, 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 I was right the first time. So po- Coliseum is the one that I really enjoyed on GameCube. Yeah, and it was a lot closer to an actual Pokemon game where you're running around, going to towns, meeting people, fighting, you know, getting into battles with them and and stuff like that. Uh, stadium was just the stadium battles, but I still enjoyed it. The mini games um, were and cool. I enjoyed Coliseum, but then on Wii you had like Battle Revolution, and that was. Uh, kind of more of a regression back to more of a Pokemon Stadium type deal and then Pokemon Tournament is crazy because there's like I don't know like maybe 20 Pokemon 30 Pokemon in there and I just I really don't think it's cool the way they did that so it's like what they don't realize is yes there's a smaller install base specifically for the Wii U and now even Switch but you know Pokemon would absolutely unequivocally be a system seller and so you know even if you don't have nearly as many switches next year you won't have nearly as many switches out there next year as you will 3ds's if you put a game out then you're going to sell a lot of switches especially if you decided to bundle it you know so that's something to be think for them to be thinking about well and that's interesting too of like we don't know the dynamics between how much nintendo pays for pokemon to be on their platform and stuff like that and I wonder if there's some kind of thing there where Nintendo's looking at their slate of releases. They already got Zelda out. They're going to have Mario out this year, too. Those are two huge releases. I don't think Prime Force coming out next year, as much as people want to believe. I still don't think it's coming out next year. Maybe. But I still don't think Prime is as big as Mario or Zelda or Pokemon. No. I I wonder how much Nintendo's like, yo, Pokemon Company, we need that new Pokemon game out for the Switch next year. We'll do anything necessary, you know? Bruh, I need that Pokemon, bruh. Because, like... I need that. Basically, I don't think the po- Pokemon company isn't in a rush to get Pokemon games out from themselves. Like, they, they sell, right? And I think they'd yeah. be fine with possibly it releasing in early 2019 or whatever. But I wonder if Nintendo's sitting there, like... They're looking at their portfolio and they're like, We need Pokemon next fall. Like, we'll do anything we can. We'll, we'll send you some help, you know. Um, so I'm just... I'm interested to see what exactly is going to go on there and... Dude, Pokemon will sell. Like, even if there's not a huge install base compared to 3DS, it'll make the install base larger. Like, people are right. impressed by these like Zelda and and the Mario numbers, and even like Splatoon 2 uh, and Arms selling the way they are. Pokemon is gonna sell like gangbusters. It's gonna be the number one bundle next fall if it comes out. Like, Pokemon sells, especially if they use the power and they really impress people. Um, and don't expect it to be a leap from like the 3ds pokemon to like uh 
uh, Uncharted or something crazy. You know, it's not going to be like right. that. But I do think it'll be a, a, a favorable enough jump to have people excited at the very least. Right. Um, yeah, but they need to make sure it's not half-assed. Oh, like, yeah, I agree. Well, it's, it's a Pokemon game, but... It, it just needs to be a fucking Pokemon. Yeah, game. and they've stated it's a mainline game. It's a mainline, which means it's the yeah. the colored slash, you know, uh, colored isn't even the appropriate way because it's not even just colors anymore. Colors are crystals. I guess yeah. just the the mainline game, just the mainline series is the best way to put that. Uh, pretty much does They're it. They're minerals, Marie, not rocks. <laughs> that does it for even this though, week's wait, episode. Do you get that joke? Uh, is do it, you get that? Is that from Starship Troopers? No, it's Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> the, the wrong guy. The, the Dom would have got that joke. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's it for this week's Tom, episode. Where are you? As far as where we're going to be playing, um, I made the mistake of committing to stuff. But I'm trying to think of what comes out this week. I obviously need to get to Tacoma. I think the NBA uh, 2K18 Prelude comes out, which is like their demo that, that you get to play for free every year, which is really cool. Uh, it's a substantial mm-hmm. demo, too. Um, interested to see, not the quality of the two games are always great, but uh, what exactly they pack into the prelude itself to get people excited for the release. Um, yeah. And I don't think there's... Are you playing Destiny? No. Oh, that's another... Yeah, the reason we didn't really talk about Destiny is because neither... I, I'm. You didn't buy Destiny, right? I didn't get Destiny. No. I'm doing the thing where I'm waiting like two weeks, and I'm more than likely not going to buy it either way. For everything I've heard, it's Destiny plus some more. There's still a lot of the issues... Apparently, from the first game, it has less mainline story missions than the first game, which kind of bothers me. There's this whole issue with shaders now Wait, that just came up today. It has less story missions than the first game? Are yeah. you kidding me? Yeah, it has 17, and the original had 20. Um, oh, my God. There's a lot of things. A lot of people are high on it because the game recently came out. Destiny is one of those games that wait a week or two, and you'll either see it, its extended excitement or its flaws. So I'm just waiting on that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not in Destiny two right now, and it, I'm on the on teetering on it, but I'm definitely leaning towards no, just because it doesn't seem like it's doing anything to move the needle for me in an exciting way. Personally, like it always bothers me too when people are upset with the way Halos turned out with three four three, and they're like, I wish Bungie stayed on, and I'm like, I don't know, you know, I don't know if that if if yeah. Halo would have turned out better with Bungie. I think you're just counting your counting your. Uh, eggs before they hatch or your chickens or your right your weird right. dinosaur birds uh, <laughs> that's pretty much it for me yeah what about you are you gonna be you're watching more anime i assume playing yes definitely some uh mario and rabbits definitely some anime coming my way um i'll be uh Let's see, I'm going to be continuing with Dragon Ball. I am going to be continuing with my rewatch of uh, Full Metal Alchemist, the original series, because I've been meaning to get around to Brotherhood, which is kind of the remake-esque type uh, deal. Uh, but I wanted to go ahead and rewatch the original series as well, because I love it, and because it's only 50 episodes or so, so um, not too bad there. But um, rewatching that, continuing Naruto, of course. Um, I finished up watching uh, The Handmaid's Tale, which um, I enjoyed. I didn't love it. I liked it. Uh, I liked the book quite a bit better, um, and I feel like they kind of didn't really nail the vibe all the way, um, even though they got some of it uh, quite right. 
Um, and then I also caught up with uh, Fear the Walking Dead, which is uh, going to be coming up this weekend, uh, coming back for the, from the uh, mid-season break. And uh, that show's uh, improved quite a bit. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised with where that show's come from. It's Rocky Season 1, and um, I think it's worth your time if you're a big Walking Dead fan at this point. Um, so that's coming up this weekend. Uh, BoJack Horseman comes out tomorrow on Netflix, and that is a fantastic animated series. Um, so I'm really excited about that. It's really smart, really funny. Uh, a lot of great voices in there. Um, so I love BoJack Horseman. That's coming out tomorrow. Um, and then, yeah, I'm going to be playing plenty of Mario. Uh, just got Injustice 2 in the mail, as I was showing Jared. Uh, so I'll be playing some of that. And then, uh, yeah, you know, typical anime, um, TV watching type stuff that I'm always into. So, yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, we got we got tons of uh, TV premieres coming out this month, so I'm... Um, very excited about that. I'll say that much. Also, the NFL starts this week, the regular season, so I'm excited. I'm actually going to watch yeah. the Patriots Chief game that starts in like 20 minutes from now. So, um, here we go, Titans. Yeah, they have a good team this year. Hopefully, they do well. Um, yeah, we'll yeah. see about that. Thank you guys for listening. Please subscribe to us on YouTube if you can. Also, review and follow us on iTunes. It really helps. You can follow us on Twitter at CTRLINT, controlled interest abbreviated. You can follow Jordan at Mellow Modus, and you can follow me at Jared underscore. And that's pretty much it. We'll catch you guys in episode 72? Yeah, 72. This is episode 72. I couldn't remember. And uh, hopefully Dom will be back. So it's the three of us back together again. Uh, yeah. Have, bye.